Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, and if not, if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. Um, I just want to jump into the uh, next segment for the episode because there aren't any special announcements or anything, and so I try to put everything together in the episode. There's so much packed in here. It took a bit of time, so this podcast episode is probably going to be a little bit uh, late than usual, a few hours um, than planned uh, to be published. So I hope that you enjoy. The uh, headlines f- uh, from the Hemisphere segment is a really special segment where we talk about all types of different headlines from all across the globe. It's a really great uh, segment because we talk about um, headlines and news that is from all over and it may not be as popular to talk about, uh, mainly research topics sometimes and other random bits that are pretty exciting uh, when you think about it. Uh, the first headline is all about research, uh, but a new method of how to clean uh, sediments. So researchers try new method to clean contaminated sediments. And I checked out the headline and the article on Environmental News Network that is ENN.com. And uh, I found that this amazing university has a cool name. Um, it is um, kind of, I guess, not hard to pronounce, but it took me a while to try and find out how to pronounce it on YouTube and how others would say it correctly because I never want to butcher a name, especially if it's in a different language or dialect or um, it's just um, said a different way. I try to research the best way of how to say something. Um, so the uh, researchers from this university at uh, Umeo University they were at the Department of Chemistry and Umeo University. They were awarded uh, $4 million from the Swedish Geotechnical Institute uh, to test a new method for decontamination of uh, contaminated sediments in places like lakes and in streams. And this was first done and tested in the United States at NASA's Kennedy Center. And they were the first to develop, patent, and actually test the method. And it's been a successful method that has actually crossed um, borders and has been done in the U.S. and in Canada and in similar areas in Sweden. Next is about Ireland and incest from way back when. Um, during a prehistoric period um, where humans were um, really, really at a time where um, we were first, I wouldn't say roaming the earth, but the infrastructure was there. Um, and it's pretty prehistoric. Really shocking to you and kind of gross. Okay, so incest in Ireland, in ancient Ireland, suggests an elite ruled early farmers. And I checked it out on uh, Science Magazine, which is the official like um, publication, but it's science.sciencemag.org. So this story is out of Ireland, and it kind of uh, is for um, anyone who's into archaeology, anthropology, you would love this. Um, and uh, it was talking about the discovery of this amazing structure. It's 200,000 tons of stone and earth, really raw stuff about the size of a U.S. football field. And some of the first farmers arriving in 
Ireland actually erected this amazing structural achievement uh, known as Newgrange, and it's nearly a thousand years um, uh, older than Stonehenge and even some of the first pyramids, which is kind of you know shocking to even believe because those are some of the oldest structures that you know we've known or in pretty common knowledge about the uh, pyramids. So archaeologists, they assumed that the structure itself was a ceremonial site um, and a communal tomb, but it actually is an expression of an uh, egalitarian society, which is based on the philosophy that um, people want to get rid of and they, the society itself wants to try and remove uh, inequalities amongst the people. And they studied current DNA of a middle-aged man that was buried at the site. Uh, it was um, at the date of um, 3200 BCE. Uh, and he was at the center of the mighty mound itself. And so um, what they thought was previously challenged because uh, they found this man. And it sort of challenges what they thought before what it was, the structure itself at that site. His genes indicated that he had parents that were pretty uh, closely related, so much so that they could have been brother and sister or even parent and child. So incest. Incest is, you know, at the um, the point uh, at, at which they found, you know, this remains of this man. And he happened to be at this this uh, this, this site, uh, extremely old site. And uh, just to challenge that with uh, incest, it is, of course, you know, taboo across the world and in a lot of societies it's frowned upon. But the exception is in royal families, especially those that uh, practice inbreeding uh, royal families. And then last but not least is the um, new discovery um, about a, an egg, one of the biggest ever found. Scientists find the biggest soft-shelled egg ever, nicknamed The Thing. And I checked out the story on NPR.org. I hope you do too. This comes out of Chile. And there was a, a um, pathologist who kind of discovered uh, this thing, The Thing. And his name is Mr. David Rubalar Rogers. And years before, in 2018, when he sort of uh, brought this... Um, to light, actually, and he told some colleagues, uh, he found this um, in uh, when, one of his travels. Um, and uh, he had told uh, some of his colleagues in that the object itself is huge. It is um, about uh, the size, it's like 11 uh, inches by about uh, 7 inches in size. And it looks sort of like a uh, a, a crushed or deflated football in its in its size and in its shape, and um, his uh, colleague, last name Clark, had realized that the thing was a giant egg, of course, a soft-shelled egg, and it was uh, from 66 million years ago, around the time when an asteroid hit Earth and led to the dinosaur extinction. The thing itself is one of the largest soft-shelled eggs ever. The egg was probably laid by the giant marine reptile, uh, the mosasaur, and is really one of the biggest uh, eggs ever recorded. And it's the second uh, in place from an extinct elephant bird from Madagascar. So that extinct elephant uh, bird has the biggest egg ever found, and this one is... Um, the one that takes second place. So the topic for this podcast episode is a uh, different one slightly from uh, other ones I've covered in the uh, previous uh, episodes. And I sort of want to get to the um, basis for getting to net zero. In the UK, they're doing a fabulous job. And so I want to, again, recognize, you know, UK listeners and those who are out there and maybe those who, you know, love the UK or, or maybe expats um, from the UK or maybe are living uh, in the UK uh, and they're from other parts of the world. 
this uh, podcast episode isn't just for UK listeners, but it's for um, those who want to recognize that they can follow uh, different climate change, you know, guidelines, easy steps that they can sort of, you know, look to changing uh, for themselves in their own lives. Uh, This is for someone who wants to open up to learn about, you know, net zero and how we can, you know, claim our power back. Um, easy ways um, and just learn a little bit more and learn about how the UK um, are doing things differently. And they're sort of, even in the time of the coronavirus, they are making it so that they're trying to, you know, pass laws. They are providing guidelines to uh, different uh, bodies and groups. And these sort of are a template to maybe what other countries in the world can uh, look to change uh, in their own protocols, in their own laws. Uh, And so... There are only five different uh, recommendations, and uh, we're going to get started uh, learning about them now. So uh, this is uh, simply the Committee on Climate Change's uh, recommendations, the CCC. They're out of the UK. The Committee on Climate Change, CCC, uh, they published recently uh, recommendations uh, for the UK government to deliver um, a green... Um, coronavirus sort of recovery. So even in a time of the coronavirus, we are still um, hearing from them uh, amazing guidelines that um, still need to be done um, if we want to seriously make a dent uh, in uh, climate change um, uh, behaviors that will negatively affect us in the future if things don't change. So the Climate Change Committee, CCC, Uh, is an independent statutory body established under the Climate Change Act of 2008. And its purpose is to advise those in the UK, the government, all those involved in Parliament, and devolved uh, governments on emissions targets, and they uh, try to report to Parliament um, on progress that's been made in uh, things like reducing greenhouse gas emissions and preparing for and adapting to the impacts on climate change. So whatever they figure in the research that they carry out and the advice of their council and their committee members, they try to pass that along and report that to Parliament and want them to uh, take in their guidelines and information and to um, change um, uh, information and laws and actually you know, do something about what they are learning and studying. So I looked at the uh, huge website that they have, and it's about 10 or so people almost who range in the qualifications, skills, expertise, experience. Uh, So they have a a breadth of knowledge and resources um, in uh, what they bring uh, being on the CCC. So they've published several different reports uh, over the years, and you can definitely search uh, them all, read them for free, of course, on the website. It is theccc.org.uk. So let's talk about the um, the matter of the priorities that will definitely change um, the economy uh, during this coronavirus pandemic that we're in. Well, it focuses on the environment, and the focus is on the environment. And so they laid out five different um, goals, five different um, strategies focusing on things that will impact climate change sort of directly. Um, And these are are, um, focuses for citizens, for businesses, for organizations, um, there's there's things about habitat, forming, and, and energy efficiency, um, renewable energy, waste, you know, my favorite topic, uh, transportation. So there's sort of something for everybody. There's something hitting on every point. Somebody can attach to at least one of these and maybe change um, with some simple measures. So the first one I'm going to talk about briefly is energy efficiency and low carbon heating. That's the first one. So the aim here is to try to insulate old buildings, make sure that new housing is constructed to the highest standards. So maybe uh, equivalent like in the U.S., we have LED uh, standards, green building standards, um, and also those for energy and water. 
and uh, making sure that those are efficient as well. And then lastly, shifting towards low carbon he uh, heating measures. So making sure that the carbon that we are putting out into the environment is minimal and the ways that we're doing that are through heating sources that aren't um, sucking so much um, uh, into the environment and uh, causing more harm than good. Uh, think renewable sources; those are better, um, and and sources that don't you know burn too much wood or um, other um, resources. You know, biodiesel. You know, none of that. Uh, we want to uh, go for low carbon uh, measures. So that's our first uh, priority. That's our first recommendation. The second one is to focus on habitat restoration. Now, this is simply doing actions like planting trees, tree planting, restoring peat, uh, grass uh, to um, a farmland or uh, um, patchy parts of land. Uh, so it's a quick and reasonable way to sort of uh, make positive changes in our land. Uh, in the UK, that's what they're focusing on. And this also creates uh, highly skilled employment opportunities. Uh, really simple. And uh, when it comes to planting uh, trees, it does a wonder on the environment. It boosts biodiversity, improves air quality because you're putting, of course, um, the uh, wonderful trees that, of course, uh, take carbon out of the atmosphere and put uh, back amazing uh, oxygen, clear the air, make sure that it's filtered properly, and also prevents uh, flooding, which is um, essential, especially because when there's erosion uh, going on because there's not any soil um, affixed to uh, grass um, and it's not compacted, uh, you're going to have uh, problems on the road when it comes to flooding, flash flooding, all, all sorts of things like that. There's no steady base, so uh, to put trees back uh, where they belong um, is essential. Uh, next, when it comes to the farmers, they actually benefit a bit. So in the UK, they have a bill that's probably already passed already, but it benefits and rewards farmers for uh, pledging to um, do great for the environment. So there's plenty of environmental benefits that they're um, really uh, giving to farmers. Um, uh, there's so many things. There's improved air and water quality, animal welfare standards, um, reducing flooding, um, habitat restoration does a lot for farmers and so they really get um, some amazing benefits on the, um, on the front end, I guess you could say, because of this restoration of land. Maybe in the U.S. we could do something of that sort. I really think that that is a the wave of the future, especially with the way that we operate as a, in a as an agricultural um, powerhouse here in the U.S. We have so much land and animals that we that we eat every single year. You know, billions of animals are slaughtered um, just to feed you know X amount of people. So um, maybe we could benefit from something like habitat restoration as well. Number three is energy network. So this is um, where the CCC really wanted the UK government to put regulatory measures in place to spur um, really big investments in energy networks. So grids or upgrading the electrification support systems that are already in place. Um, things like um, transportation of um, electricity and also heating other other services and utilities that we need um, uh, in the US you know maybe the the UK is 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 doing it better and so the CCC wants them to uh, invest more in their energy period in their, in their grids and their systems make sure they're upgraded and that's a good measure that makes more sense you don't want outdated technology, especially when you, you want to you know, do uh, cost analysis. You want to see how much people can save. You want to be ahead of the times with all these you know, multi-billion dollar and multinational companies out there. They're competing uh, for um, uh, space and who's the best when it comes to their energy. And so you want to compete. And for the UK government, the CCC is calling for them to um, put in check their energy networks that they have and upgrade them. They must be. Number four is to um, have a sustainable transportation system and um, really shift uh, what it was before, pre-coronavirus, to uh, a better one 
uh, post or present coronavirus. So the CCC actually called for an investment in digital technology um, because so many people are working from home, which makes sense. Uh, green infrastructure is the focus there. And so um, walking to work or walking around period, cycling, um, having electric vehicle support, charging points instead of having um, gas, diesel powered cars. Um, that's the aim here. Which makes sense. You know, you want to have um, accessible roads. Um, you want to have um, there's the the places. It's a the term is escaping me now, but it's a a, a multifaceted place where um, there's so much going on, and and everyone's um, able to you know get what they need, point A to point B. But there's also sidewalks and green uh, spaces, and you're able to walk freely, and all these things combine, and so they all um, they all are necessary to not have gas-powered vehicles, um, vehicles that, that waste energy and, and time. And I'll, I'll think of probably, probably the term later, but it's essential here because they're phasing out um, the use of so many cars and they want people to get out and walk, pedestrians, they want them to be active. Uh, they want green infrastructure there. And so the CCC is calling uh, on the UK government to do that. The UK government has committed to phasing out petrol uh, or petrol, as they say, and diesel in cars by 2035, and they pledge 2 billion euros to boost cycling. So that's really great. Uh, the goal is to, of course, drastically reduce transport emissions, especially since the coronavirus pandemic has forced so many, of course, to work from home. And then lastly, the uh, fifth recommendation uh, that the CCC has uh, for the UK government, uh, really important one, especially to me, is about waste. So uh, regarding uh, recycling rates in the UK, they are unfortunately going in the wrong direction. Uh, recently, uh, they've fallen from 45.2% uh, in 2017 to 44.7% in 2018, according to the government's own data. And so the CCC advises that they um, contain and have better waste management systems that will do a number of things, like create regional jobs, um, also reduce emissions and uh, try to um, make sure that the UK stops sending bio-waste to landfill. We learned about all the different um, categories, all the different uh, systems that can, of course, eliminate um, climate change bit by bit. And so with each one, I kind of want to break down a little bit more about um, what we can, you know, learn from them. Uh, some figures and facts here or there, and some additional uh, details. With the first one, energy, uh, there was a report that came out recently in 2019 uh, by Policy Connect, an organization that was warning about how uh, um, gas central heating boilers are putting the UK's climate goals at risk. I know that there are people who use gas stoves and cook with gas and, you know, have maybe low gas bills. And um, there's been, you know, plenty of research to suggest that in, in state, that gas-powered um, modes of, of energy and, and, and appliances are no good. They've, they've been outdated and they're toxic for you. And uh, they are, um, you know, not smart. They're not, they're not part of the future that we, we should, you know, aim for ourselves. I did a whole uh, podcast episode, which I'll talk a little bit about later, um, about how to kind of convert um, from your, your gas stoves and sort of the downsides and benefits of them. Because I, I used to, you know, have a gas stove, but then I, you know, realized that that wasn't, you know, what I needed uh, to have it was inconvenient. It was clunky. Um, you know, it's it smelled as in you know the gas because it, it is a fume, um, and you're you're using it. But if you want to uh, uh, 
change how much you know carbon you release into the atmosphere air pollution is a factor most people don't tell you about that um then you you know it'd be optimal to of course switch from a, a gas powered anything um and in the uk they have you know heating boilers um, I next want to talk about habitat restoration, uh, mainly because, um, you know, some of the farmers, they're not waiting for legislation to really uh, catch up to the times. And so they're, they're taking on an approach of themselves and they uh, are aiming to boost biodiversity themselves and to capture more carbon, um, you know, which is a positive thing. That's a good thing. I, I believe in tree planting, um, especially in uh, the times of the spring and in the summer, mostly because you're outside. It's a beautiful. Um, you're, you're seeing all these flowers blooming and um, uh, animals about good weather. Um, and it's great. You know, I don't really suggest tree planting necessarily in the, in the winter. Unless, um, for the, for the, the opposite, um, hemispheres in this, uh, spring and summer in the, in the Northern hemisphere, etc. when it's warmer and everything, it's usually colder and more wintry and, f and fall weather in the, the Southern hemisphere. And then it flips, um, when, um, the, when the seasons, um, get, get to flipping, um, so when it's it's summer and hot and everything and, and you know, maybe Europe and the U.S. same time, you know, everything, uh, it's colder in places like, um, you know, uh, southern uh, Africa, um, in South America, Australia. And then when it's hot in Australia, um, uh, you know, other places, um, you know, sub-Saharan Africa or, or southern Africa. Um, South America, then it's cold in the uh, northern hemisphere. So that's what, that's what I mean. Uh, so if you uh, do want to learn a bit more about tree planting, no worries. Uh, just be a little bit patient because I have so much information, really, really breezy stuff uh, in the Mother Earth Minutes. And it's from another podcast I did about uh, trees. I had fun learning about it because those are some good resources. They're pretty current. I wish I would uh, have expanded upon the international organizations that uh, love trees, do tree work, volunteering. Um, they, they try travel. Um, there, there's a lot of organizations that appreciate nature. And so I'll talk about that a little bit later for those who are interested in habitat restoration. Um, when it comes to energy networks, there was um, a recent article on Positive News um, uh, about how um, the UK, I think, I think was um, doing some um, Complicated networks that um, need to be upgraded to switch to renewables. I'm pretty sure that's what they were talking about. And um, I wanted to pose a question as, you know, how much does the cost, um, you know, way to switch to renewables? How is that? How's how much does it cost uh, for the switch to renewables um, to become a solution for the near future instead of something like the distant decade. We we need renewables now. I don't know how um, uh, countries in mass aren't getting on it. Um, and I know maybe an issue of monies, but at the same time, uh, we can't wait. You know, our planet can't wait. We all know this. We all gripe about this. We have our meetings in Copenhagen and we have our international meetings and we're having Zoom meetings as we speak about climate change. And, and, and right now, uh, you know, planet Earth can't wait. Mother Earth can't wait. Uh, when it comes to something like transportation, that is an issue a lot of people care about. Um, it's, it's an issue for me, but it's, it's on the issue of me trying to switch and get a better vehicle, a hybrid vehicle, something that isn't necessarily gas powered at all. And I talked about this um, because I will be sharing whenever I do, you know, get my upgraded car finally. But that is, you know, some, some, some time, some time off. I'm not going to say years and years off, but it's, it's coming. I've, I've gotten uh, a, a new car within the past, you know, year or so. And, um, I got it back in uh, November um, 2019 after my other one basically died and the engine had problems. It was not fun. So, uh, yeah, I had that car for ooh, about four years, that the other car, my, my Volkswagen. I had that for four years on my first car. So 
I, I did good with that. Uh, when it comes to transportation, there are a number of cities across the UK that have actually announced plans to, you know, really push cars out of the way of, you know, city centers and, you know, places like uh, London. They've actually taken away a road space from motor, ve motor vehicles um, because of the coronavirus pandemic, and they're making sure that uh, pedestrians and cyclists can really uh, make way for themselves and, and, and be around the city. Um, so that's a great option. That's a great thing, actually. And I suggest the other uh, more congested cities, especially um, those that were um, uh, the most congested pre-coronavirus in the U.S., I suggest that they adopt this strategy, too, especially cars that are on the road, um, you know, that are vacant or maybe, you know, during hustling, bustling times, get as many cars off the road as you can. Uh, places like uh, New York City, L.A., um, Miami, Chicago, Dallas, D.C., and others, I suggest that maybe it be incentivized to stay home, work from home, or something of that sort to try and get people um, to stay home and, you know, away from their cars, out of their cars. And then lastly, I want to briefly just talk about a little bit of waste, the topic itself. Um, in the UK, I didn't know that biomass waste was such an issue that was um, being disposed of, um, but at least 7.2 million tons of it was sent to the landfills in 2018, but um, significantly less than um, the 13 million tons that was um, buried in the ground in 2010. So that's a bit of a, a difference there. Um, hopefully it'll get better in the future. Um, you know, biomass is a, a toxic a product, but, um, you know, maybe... Maybe they'll get better at um, you know bio waste. I'm, I'm thinking of doing an 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 episode, a podcast episode about some of my favorite uh, movie titles, documentaries um, that happen to be environmental, uh, environmentally focused. So maybe I'll talk about and review some of my my favorite movies. Um, one of them is about waste. It's called Trashed, um, and it's a, a beautiful documentary. And um, I think that I'll. Maybe talk about it in the, the future. Um, it's some good stuff. So maybe I'll, you know, um, expand on that. But I really enjoyed, you know, breaking down a little bit of this uh, great info. And so uh, we'll proceed with uh, the next part uh, in a bit. The Mother Earth Minutes is where we review in the next few minutes for active things that we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. These are um, amazing uh, listings for different info, um, really succinct. If you maybe by chance are thinking about switching your energy company or maybe in the future you're thinking about it or you want to learn how to uh, take things, um, you know, by the reins and control, you know, where your power is coming from or your you're skeptical or you even want to come back to this, you know, years later, um, sure, you can definitely do that, you know, share it. Um, as long as you um, take in this info, I'll be, you know, so you know, happy and thankful for it because um, I did a, a bit of time uh, trying to pull together everything I wanted to uh, briefly talk about, but just share because I know that this um, information is really important because you want to know uh, what the top and best uh resources you know companies are out there and so we're gonna you know briefly talk about them so uh, the message is simply to just um you know learn how to um how can we go about and learn how to simply um get these solutions in a bite-sized way and make sure that they're easy to do really simple uh, the first thing we can do um it's really easy is to find the low carbon heating and energy efficient plans from companies corporations that can work for you now all of these are either either in the u.s or abroad and so these are some of the top renewable energy companies these are just some of them um some of the i think there's about 10 or so and so they have some headquarters are abroad, different countries, some are in the US. These are companies that are big in environmental um, uh, uh, sectors and industries, especially when it comes to renewable energies. Some kind of um, uh, straddle the fence, and some are involved in fossil fuels, some aren't. Some have subsidiaries, which are, you know, 
they have renewable energy focus and then the other parts of their um, corporation are split so that they kind of focus on fossil fuels but those are really limited so um, whichever one works for you or where you are maybe uh, you can uh, switch over to them so the first is uh, Siemens and they are um, headquartered in Germany and they are number one in offshore wind turbine construction one of the biggest corporations out there uh, when it comes to energy uh, Vestas is the next one and they are headquartered in Denmark and they are the energy industry's global partner on sustainable energy solutions they do quite a bit uh, next is GE Energy. They're headquartered in Boston, Massachusetts. I had to look up where they were headquartered because they changed headquarters uh, in the past like five or so years. So they are focused on really transforming the uh, energy industry uh, when it comes to machine software solutions and making sure that they're connected, responsive, predictive. They're trying to, you know, data um, uh, be be data focused and data um, driven and especially with their analytics. So they're getting smarter and smarter um, because of you and because of uh, the solutions that they have um, in, in where they're focused for the future. Uh, next is Next Era Energy Inc. and they're headquartered in Florida, which is in the United States. And they have uh, some subsidiaries and so they, uh, with their um, main focus is to generate clean emissions-free electricity from eight commercial nuclear power units in florida new hampshire iowa and wisconsin so that's one of the few companies that's kind of focused on nuclear power and they are a fortune 200 company and included in s p 100 index next is orsted which is headquartered in denmark and they are a full chain a full value chain energy company and they are involved in wind farms, oil and gas exploration, power plants, and more. But in recent years, they've shifted their focus from uh, gas and oil energies to uh, better uh, energies for the planet. Uh, next is Suzlon, which is uh, headquartered in India. And Suzlon is a major force in the global wind industry. So for those who uh, want to you know, get involved in wind energy, maybe have that power source or or something of that sort, then maybe this is an option for you. They're ranked fifth in uh, the world, and they um, have about 10.5% of the global market share um, of wind uh, in just over a decade. Uh, next is Berth Berkshire Hathaway Energy, BHE, as headquartered in Iowa, uh, which is in the U.S., and uh, since 2012, BHE Renewables has done quite a bit and in, has invested in solar, wind, and geothermal, and also hydro projects. And so, um, you know, Berkshire Hathaway Energy is pretty famous and when it comes to Warren Buffett um, and his um, expertise uh, in his investments. Uh, next is uh, Avangrid Renewables. They are the renewable headquarters. That one is located in Oregon in the U.S. And they are um, a leading sustainable energy company with approximately $32 billion in assets and operations in 24 U.S. states. Number nine is EDF Energy, which is headquartered in London, England. And it's one of the UK's largest energy companies producing about one-fifth of the nation's electricity. So that's about 20% um, from their uh, nuclear power stations. They also have wind farms, coal and gas-powered uh, stations, and combined uh, also heat and power plants. And then number 10 is uh, C's uh, NVE, which is headquartered in Denmark. It is a cooperative company, a co-op uh, company. So all their customers are connected uh, to the grid, are owners of C's NVE. So all those 
I gathered from uh, Energy Equity, and I will put in the show notes in the description of the podcast episode another link for those who may want to invest in, um, you know, fl- fast, clean tech, um, renewable energy companies. Maybe want to look out for them. Maybe just get some ideas, or just want to learn a bit more. This is a different uh, link. I'll just put that in the show notes for you for those who are interested. The number two tip is to uh, do a bit of planting trees and, of course, restoring uh, land and greenery. So for those who are interested, again, in uh, when the weather is, you know, warmer, um, better, uh, and we're not maybe, you know, sick and indoors, uh, you can look forward to the sunshine. And so, you know, maybe when it's the spring or summer or a better environment to just get out and about, uh, there's a, a bit to learn. And one of the episodes I did um, way back, um, I, I think in 2019, yeah, in 2019, uh, was Growth Goals, Ethiopia plants 350 million trees in one day. And I talked about in the Mother Earth Minutes, uh, tons of different uh, ways to get started of, of how to plant trees, where to go for organizations, help, volunteering, information, resources, support. Uh, so for the American organizations, there are a few. You could start with Tree People. They are um, um, located in Los Angeles, California. You can check them out at treepeople.org. The Arbor Day Foundation, you can check out arborday.org. And they are in Nebraska City, Nebraska, which is in the United States. All these are, of course, in the United States. Uh, Friends of Trees, which is friendsoftrees.org. And you can also check out both uh, cities in Oregon, which is Portland, and also Eugene. You could visit the uh, National Forest Foundation at nationalforest.org in Missoula, Montana. And then also One Tree Planted and check out OneTreePlanted.org in Shelburne, Vermont. And the national organizations, there are a few. Um, there are probably tons more. I know there are, but these are just um, the few that I, I found that are pretty concise, you know, really thorough. Uh, they are, there, there's a Center for People in Forests at RECOFTC.org in Bangkok, Thailand. And then there's We Forest at WeForest, WEForest.org in uh, Belgium. And then there's other organizations, you know, maybe do a couple sh- searches uh, for them where you live, maybe in the country, definitely outside the U.S. Um, and I hope you do well in that search. Now, number three, and the last tip is to uh, cover all things waste. Now, as you can see in my backlog of different podcast episodes, I've done a bit. Uh, when it comes to waste, I've covered quite a many different topics, whether it's uh, how to recycle better or um, how to you know, get rid of uh, microplastic use, uh, how to uh, pick up on statistics that sort of talk about how the U.S. is, you know, wasting more and recycling less. All these different specifications I've, I've talked on. Uh, so I want to just uh, name a few uh, episodes and you can, you know, definitely sort which ones you want and maybe per- peruse and search for more um, than these ones because these are only just a sample of the, you know, hundreds of uh, episodes I've already done. So the first one the, I'm going to do, I think, from uh, most... A recent to oldest is uh, GASP. Uh, Gas-powered appliances aren't great, and here's why. Uh, From May 17, 2020, that isn't about waste, but it is about energy. So that's one of the podcast episodes I was talking about earlier about gas-powered appliances. For those who hadn't listened to it, it's uh, from the May 17, 2020 episode, all about gas-powered appliances, why they aren't great, and explained so much. Uh, I learned a bit about that, and I, t- I talked about, you know, experiencing them. Uh, fun times. So the next one is the top 10 techniques to recycle better from November 21st, 2019. Uh, the next is Trashy Trends Statistics State. The U.S. wastes more and recycles less, plus a bonus prize giveaway. And that was from July the 11th, 2019. And that giveaway has since closed. All the other um, episodes I've done, they're pretty special and specific, uh, definitely vary on waste, whether they are alternative pad products uh, for us ladies, 
um, or um, battery recycling, uh, medications recycling, re reducing microplastic. There's so many others. So be sure to explore all of those podcast episodes. fact of the day is that the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit dismisses Juliana versus United States, ruling that its 21 young plaintiffs lacked the standing to sue the federal government for failing to act on climate change. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club's Sierra Magazine in the May-June 2020 issue. Alright everyone, so we have reached the Eco Company Spotlight portion of the Greener Thoughts program. Amazing time where I talk about uh, some amazing companies that have been doing well for the environment and love the environment, care so much, uh, that have been around for a long time and some of my favorite uh, products around and just getting to share these with you is what I love to do. I love uh, talking about them, being invested in their products, services, uh, learning some of your favorites. I love doing that as well. Um, it's, it's been fun doing uh, this reviewing for all these different uh, companies uh, for a while now, since February 2019. And I learned something new every time I uh, research a bit more into the company. I've, I've um, you know, of course, been a customer patron of you know, these companies and I love supporting them and I hope you can too. One of the uh, latest companies is called Gruma and they've been around for a long time. They were founded in 1949 and Gruma has a clear vision for sustainable growth and it focuses on value creation, technology and infrastructure and renewed strategy. It is proudly Mexican and the food chain Gruma is a global leader in all things corn and flour tortilla production all across the globe and they are a lead uh, producer in wheat flour and derivatives like flatbreads, wraps, naan, pita bread, uh, chapati and also pizza bases plus other types of food like rice, snacks, pasta, condiments and palm hearts. Gruma has been exceptional uh, in their growth and they spread to so many uh, continents all across the globe, including the uh, Americas, um, Europe, Asia, and also Oceania. And they have 79 production plants and they are, have a strong presence in 112 countries across the globe. As far as their commitment to sustainability, Gruma products are amazing because they are certified a lead gold. They are halal, kosher, organic, especially with some of the brands that they have and are socially responsible. To learn a bit more about how uh, Gruma is socially responsible, just head over to the website Gruma at G-R-U-M-A dot com. Then head to the tab socially responsible and then programs and benefits. Gruma is a socially responsible company that definitely definitely supports the communities of which it operates and it consistently offers amazing products, also high quality of course, to all the families uh, that uh, can afford their products really, you know, you know, great affordable prices. They create jobs, they reinvest their profits, and they implement environmentally friendly practices uh, and encourage education and advancement without neglecting uh, its continued growth. So uh, Gruma.com uh, is uh, the website which has so many different brands. I couldn't even name them all, but I just tried to gather the um, summarization of their products. So they have flowers like corn uh, flour that they're known for, grit, uh, snacks, cereal, grits for uh, beer, which is a bit different process, uh, polenta, and also prepared flours they have. They have tortillas in both corn and wheat. Then they have their chips. They have tortilla chips, tortilla uh, shells. Uh, they have tostadas. They have flatbreads. Uh, they have you know the different wraps, bread whistles, naan, and other types of flatbread, definitely. 
Uh, I love Guma products because they have so, so many products. It's insane. Just one brand, Mission, has like probably 30 products just in Mission alone. So I've tried their Caladad tortilla chips and I've tried tons of Mission chips, uh, tortilla uh, chips, their salsas, their hard taco shells, their, their soft ones. I love um, their... Um, products you know the ones for their burritos amazing I, I couldn't get enough amazing so um, um, much variety with um, what they carry what they have their own products again their products are amazing because you know they're uh, great especially when it comes to some of their tortilla chips definitely they're definitely crunchy lovely taste lightly salty hearty thick a great corn taste it's not artificial it is memorable that's why I decided to talk about it uh, with you all and some of the products though are hard to find um, even though they've been around for a long time and if you never heard of the brand it, that's kind of hard to believe but at the same time you know some people you know haven't heard of it but uh, that's one thing I think I would you know try to improve on in the future for people who are outside of the US definitely if they can't find the brand try to make it more accessible even though it's on you know a whole bunch of different continents I highly recommend these snacks. These are like amazing, like essential. Like I don't know uh, any other Mexican brand is as authentic uh, in their flavors, character, uh, culture as a Gruma. Uh, they are amazing, especially for eating when it comes to snack time, lunch time, great stuff. They have so many different other brands that they have. Um, as a Gruma, they have different um, snacks that you may have heard of more, you know, commonly. Um, around but uh, nonetheless it's all Gruma and uh, it's amazing you know their chips their um, uh, burrito um, uh, parts that they have their dips everything is amazing five out of five green thumbs up I get it uh, the packaging for some of their uh, products is I think recyclable and then others they have TerraCycle um, programs for them if I'm if I'm not mistaken uh, especially for the mission products I know that they uh, do or used to have uh, TerraCycle or cycling programs for those uh, the pricing varies but it's really reasonable it won't cost your arm and a leg definitely because these are amazing uh, good uh, food products you can find them online and definitely in stores so Gruma can be found again in stores and online uh, you can check out more information on their website, Gruma, www.gruma.com, Amazon.com, BJ's. Uh, you can check them out at uh, eBay.com, Giant. You can check them out also at military commissary bases, probably all across the world. Um, Price Right, Safeway Shoppers, Target, Walmart, Wegmans, Wise, and other fine stores all across the world in Mexico, the United States, Central America, uh, Europe, and also in Asia and Oceania. Agruma can be found uh, on the following social media platforms of Facebook at Gruma, G-R-U-M-A. They're also on LinkedIn at Gruma, all capitalized, and also on Twitter at Gruma Global. So to contact Gruma, just go to their website, www.gruma.com, and then go to contact us at the top of the website to call, write, or even message them directly. This has been a great podcast episode. This was um, a real eye-opener, especially when I you know, found out with the CCC in the UK was advising of their government, you know, holding them to task, telling them the five measures that will do the most when it comes to uh, impacting climate change for years to come. These, I hope, are broken down in a way that's easy to follow, um, in, in measures that are sustainable, easy to share, um, or easy to even just think about changing uh, when it comes to how you can apply these these different measures to your life. Um, I tried my best in the Mother Earth Minutes and breaking down how to best um, capture this information, uh, where to go for a little bit more. And I, of course, I'll put the link to uh, the different renewable energy companies and you can maybe uh, give them a look. Uh, and of course, be in the podcast description in the show notes, of course. Thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. I see 
uh, every a little bit of um, listenership I get, and it all counts. I know that uh, I may uh, be slow when it comes to publishing some episodes, but I'm uh, trying to get you know acclimated a little bit back. But it's getting you know better, um, especially with the info packed uh, podcast episodes. And I really enjoy you all, you know, coming back for more. It means so much. Um, and I love that. I love, you know, hearing from all of uh, you and, you know, just seeing, you know, you all come back for, you know, tons more. It means a lot. And uh, I want to thank you all for, of course, tuning in. I hope you can next time uh, when I release another podcast episode. But until then, as always, be sure to take care of yourselves. And as always, take care of the planet. Be safe. Bye.